Oh yeah. Let's talk about making love. No, not that kind of making love. Did you know that the average person only spends half a percent of their life having sex? Here at Making Love Today, we learn from couples about what they do with the other 99.5% of their time to create meaningful, deeply fulfilling, and long-lasting relationships. So listen up as we hear what our guest couples do outside the bedroom to make their love work. And now, here's your host, Patrick Perkins. Welcome, everybody, once again to our recap episode of Making Love Today. Once again, I'm here with my co-host, Ann Brown. Just to recap for today's couple, Cameron and Krista, they've been married for just over 10 years now. They're one of those couples that when you see them or when you get to know them, they really feel like a very strong, solid, sturdy couple. When I talked to them, they really opened up to me, though, about a lot of the initial bumps that they experienced, things such as birth control complications, a miscarriage financial difficulties, and more. They really opened up about how they use those challenges to grow and use them as a catalyst to help them to have the relationship that they have today. So Anne, what really stuck out to you about them? I was delighted and surprised a little bit when I heard Krista describing that their first bit together was super hard because she was just not fun to be around at all. A lot of people would have responded to that situation by taking it as evidence that they weren't even meant for each other in the first place. And she said something interesting. She said, I thought maybe I wasn't adjusting to marriage very well, which is not the same thing as we were just absolutely not meant to be together. This was a mistake. And I'm sure that thought passed through their mind sometimes. So many of us, when stuff like that happens, we say, oh, it never should have happened. We're just not meant to be together, obviously, because it's just not working. It doesn't feel good. And if it doesn't feel good, then it must not be right. It's supposed to be free and easy and natural, and a lot of us would have responded questioning the very foundation of why we're together in the first place. Another thing that people do when they're in that kind of a situation is to say, this is really not fair, and then to blame their partner usually. I'm broken, or my partner's broken, and therefore that's causing this problem. They didn't do that either. It would have been really easy for one or the other or both of them to just say, oh, I have so many flaws or you have so many flaws and this is just not going to work out. Another thing that people do when stuff like that happens is they tend to just say, oh, relationships are hard and it's just going to be one slog through the bog of relationshipness and I'm just going to tough it out for as long as I can because that's just the way things usually are. And there are aspects of every relationship and every job and whatever experience you're having. Very few experiences are 100% blissful. And I've traveled a lot. And when I think back to my trips, I remember all of these wonderful things. But when I really think about my trips, there were horrible train stations and dirty places to sleep and and I had to leave one because there was definitely some horrible things going on and scary moments. All of these things sort of come together and they're part of everyday life. And so why wouldn't they be part of your relationship as well? But somehow we expect that either a good marriage doesn't have any hardships or any difficulties in it, or that you're just stuck and that's just the way it is. We really love to look back and romanticize a lot of experiences that as we were going through them were actually pretty difficult. So many of us think of college as the best time of our life. 
and kind of just gloss over all the late night studying and all of the stress. While overall, we might have a very positive impression after the fact, it's so easy just to forget about all the difficulties and just focus on the good. And that tendency to forget is something that we really need to work on. But even in the midst of it, having the expectations be just for one or the other is going to trip us up. So if we just expect it to be hard, college is hard, or trips are dirty and hard, lonely and boring. And I think we don't think that college or trips or relationships should ever be lonely or boring, but they actually are pretty significantly. But that doesn't make them bad. And it doesn't even make them hard. It just makes them part of our experience that is often lots of different things. And they didn't do that. They didn't see that as their end or just give up. They looked at it as we're going to work together. We're going to figure this out. John Gottman says, couples who describe their relationship history as chaotic are usually unhappy in the present. They don't tell stories of pulling together or learning from their negative experiences. There's no sense in their descriptions that their past troubles and conflicts strengthened their mutual trust. Life and the relationship just happened to them. In contrast, Happy couples express pride over having survived difficult times. They glorify the struggle by emphasizing how it strengthened their commitment. They believe they steered their own course together based on their common goals, aspirations, and values. They have built a system of shared meaning and purpose. So he's emphasizing these two things of one, we struggled together. I believe this is important and I want this thing to be. And so we're working together, but also that ability to learn and grow. It's not an action overcoming, it's a mindset. It's not just getting it done, that's slogging through and enduring. That's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about overcoming together as a way of seeing and experiencing difficulties that's fundamentally different from, oh, it just happened to me, or it's my partner's fault, or it's my fault, or I just have to put up with it. This is an approach that emphasizes togetherness and purposefulness. What I'm gathering here is that when we approach difficulties, whether or not we grow together isn't just a question about whether or not we physically endured those and got to the other side of them, but whether or not we actually approach them with the appropriate mindset. I enjoy hiking. And when you hike, you have to climb a lot of mountains. You can either have the mindset of, Climbing the mountain is a difficult thing, and it's something that's just a slog. And after you get to the top of the mountain, now you can finally start to enjoy things. Or you can really think of climbing the mountain itself as a challenge and something that you are doing purposefully and something that actually is enjoyable in and of itself. Absolutely. There's a very big difference between climbing a mountain with somebody who has their own agenda and wants you to do this and this and this and needs you to catch up and somebody who is just with you in this instead of pushing from behind or pulling from ahead. The act of climbing together is a very different experience from climbing with somebody who's trying to get you to do something or do it in a different way. And sometimes people think they're encouraging somebody when they're not being encouraging because it's not together. We're not on the same team. You're just pushing. You're not encouraging. Their togetherness just came through so clearly in the way that they had this conversation and the way that they talked about what happened. They said things like, this is real life. This is what you need to work hard at. I'm glad to say that we dug in and we worked it out together. We figured it out. 
or I'm so proud of those kids thinking back to the people that they were when they started and admitting it was hard and we made lots of mistakes and it wasn't easy for outside reasons, but it also wasn't easy for inside reasons. We just had to grow up and learn together. They are obviously aware of how much they've grown and they use that growth to make things go more smoothly. And I'd imagine that a large part of this comes back to developing a strong sense of trust and a sense of trust in one another, that when you are going through those difficult things, that you do have each other's back. I mean, Cameron and Christy even mentioned when they were going through the challenges with the birth control initially, that it actually felt like they were going to break up. I would imagine because they were still so early on in their relationship and they didn't have that mutual trust yet and that really strong bond and connection yet that they would develop over time. Whereas when they mentioned their other difficulties, they never once said, oh yeah, we were close to breaking up over that. Well, and now as they describe their relationship, I can't even imagine being without this person. I don't know what my life would look like without the other person. And they're both very clear about that level of involvement in each other's lives and trust for each other and that level of connection, it's obvious to them, as well as to us looking in from the outside, that that deep connection and that closeness developed because of them choosing to pull together and to learn as they were going through these hard things. So they were able to grow together because of their challenges and not in spite of their challenges. Yes. A lot of times we think that fate gifts us a meaning that we're meant for each other or a strong love. You look across a crowded room and all of a sudden, zap, pow, wham. And then if that's strong enough, then it will carry us through whatever difficulties come up next. And this is an example of what usually happens is that you are so attracted to each other, you like each other, but you sign up for being together. And then those difficulties actually develop the trust. They develop the trustworthiness. They develop your ability to help each other and lean on each other and be close. And all of those things that make up a really great, strong relationship happen as you go through with this attitude of overcoming together. And they said, we grew up together. Their connection is just exactly that deep of somebody who has learned and grown and striven together. Just like you see people who are in the same military unit and have gone through difficulty together or people who've teamed up in order to make something really important happen and they've worked together for a cause for a long time. You see this camaraderie, this closeness, this ability to rely on each other and do for each other and be there for each other in a way that just doesn't happen by saying you want it. It happens because you have these lived experiences together. What you're really trying to tell us here is that marriage is war, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no. (laughs) That's not it at all. What I'm trying to say is that if you feel like you're in a battle, make sure you're on the same side. Just like members of the same unit in the military can really grow a strong sense of camaraderie and a bond and trust between one another, in large part by going through the very difficult things that members of the military encounter in our relationship that we should actually kind of look at it in the same way, not in the sense that we're going to war together, but that we can actually use the challenges and difficulties within our own life in order to forge that same sort of camaraderie and that same sort of trust. Yes. 
and I don't think that's an exaggeration, but I think it happens really quickly when someone's trying to actually kill you. But look at Cameron and Krista and listen to them talk about their relationship. They're incredibly close and they rely on each other a great deal. They've developed that trust and that commitment by going through experiences that tested their trust and their commitment. Brene Brown says you learn courage by couraging. You learn trust not just by trusting, but you learn trust by having your trust tested and standing up and being trustworthy. These are the experiences upon which that your closeness can be built, but you have to do it, whatever it is. One of the things Brene Brown talks about is as you go through difficult emotions with courage and compassion and connection, the prize that you get when you are able to actually do that is more courage and more compassion and more connection. The ability to do those things increases. It's the same thing with trust and commitment and all of these other things. When you go through an experience that tests your ability to be trustworthy or tests your ability to be committed to your partner, because Krista was clear, she was not fun to be with, right? And so that commitment was tested and they came through it. And the prize at the end is a greater capacity for commitment and a greater capacity for trust and trustworthiness. and. That's true of so many different attributes that we seek as couples. Just to sum up here, the first relationship element that we're talking about today for Cameron and Krista is overcoming together. We need to use our challenges to grow together rather than letting those challenges push us apart. And we do this by really adopting a mindset that we're in this together. And then as we adopt that mindset, even if we don't necessarily feel like we're together at first, that we will use those opportunities to grow closer and closer together until it's really just a natural thing. And if it's not natural at first, that's okay. If we go ahead and really make a conscientious effort to adopt these strengths, as it is with so many of these, that the actual act of mentally focusing on doing so will help us to achieve it. You have to start, though, by being trustworthy. If you're worried about this or if it feels like you've been fighting against each other, it's a good idea to start by focusing on your own self and your own ability to be a trustworthy person. So let's talk about that a little bit more because I think this really leads into another strength that Cameron and Krista showed about being able to be a strong individual while still being a member of a relationship. So many times we get this impression that when you get into a relationship that you lose your sense of self basically you become each other and you become part of something greater than yourself, if you will, and you lose your sense of identity. And that seems actually a little bit counter to what you're saying here. The truth is that the more we have a sense of self that's strong, David Snarch says strong but permeable boundaries, definitely have boundaries. I know who I am and I know what I want and I have a personality and I have wants and needs. I'm in tune with all of that about myself. And yet I also have the ability to be influenced by the people and things around me. A good analogy is dance partners. You have to stand up. You can't just lean on your partner and flop over and have them manipulate you like a puppet. You have to dance your own steps. You have to know what you're doing in your own way. And yet, if you're just standing there dancing your own steps, you're not dancing with somebody else. So you have to also pay attention and be influenced by them. Signals come and signals go, and sometimes you reject a signal. That's why usually there's a person leading, but anybody who's been leading also knows that you have to look for signals and pay attention and respond. 
and you both have to stand on your own two feet and do your own thing, but you also have to be really responsive and in tune and connected with your partner and open to their influence. And that connection allows you to do something really beautiful together. I think that everybody who's ever really watched any sort of high-level ballroom dancing or even just something like Dancing with the Stars, that the beauty of the dance doesn't come from each partner doing the exact same thing. And the beauty of the dance doesn't come from each person doing their own thing, but it comes from each person doing something that's complementary to what the other one's doing. Yes. And when we choose to do that with somebody, it's a gift. If we feel like we're in a dance with somebody where they're just expecting and demanding and we're just giving and giving and giving. That's not really a gift. If you are only doing what somebody else wants, then you're not doing it freely. And there's that builds up resentment and that builds up difficulty. And eventually the tension grows and the tension grows and the tension grows and then the relationship breaks or you break one or the other. Keeping along with the dance analogy, Even if both people are doing their steps perfectly and are being the best version of their end of the dance that they can possibly be, if one of them starts a half beat behind the other one, if one of them is just a little bit off with their timing, even though they might individually be doing the perfect things, if they're not synced up with the timing, it's going to look terrible. Definitely. So you have to really be in tune with your partner, but you also can't just give your whole self to your partner. When I watch people dancing in musicals or in whatever, the best ones are when there's two personalities on stage. Their facial expressions show, they're interacting, and they're having a dialogue. They're not just having one person shine and do wonderful things and the other person helps and supports them and is more like a prop. That's a lot less fun to watch and a lot less fun to participate in than two people who really have this great back and forth of interactions that mean something and that are communicating something. If you're the prop to your partner's star status, (laughs) that's not going to work and it's not going to be nearly as fun for them either. It gets redundant and old and boring and way less interesting than if you have somebody to bounce things off of. You both need to be able to shine in your own individual way. Yeah, because what's Bert without Ernie? Ernie's hilarious, but he would be way less hilarious without Bert. And then Ernie, who gets to be funny and often sort of teases, but he would be way less interesting if Bert fell in line and did what Ernie wanted all the time. It's the same idea of Abbott and Costello, if we're dating ourselves a little bit, or Laurel and Hardy, or in I Love Lucy, you have Lucy and Ricky, the odd couple. We see this so many times in classic comedy. Comedy doesn't come from both characters being exactly the same, but a good comedy comes from each character really leaning into their differences. And not to say that our lives are comedies, which they might be, But if we really want to have the best possible relationship that we can have, we need to both be able to embrace our own individuality in order to enhance the relationship. How did you see this play out with Cameron and Krista? Well, when they talked about their way of handling conflict, it was really interesting because Krista says, I'm very type A, and Cameron comes right in and says, you are stereotypical type A, and I'm completely not. And then you asked them, is that a source of problems or is that a source of balance? And they both said balance because they're able to negotiate that. 
and figure out how to do it. See, this is the key. They were both able to figure out how to be type A because they like each other. He likes that she's forthright about things. He likes that he doesn't have to second guess when she says something, she means it. And he appreciates that and he likes it when she's straightforward. But she needed to learn to do it in a way that still fits with her personality and still expresses who she is, but also fits with him and what he is experiencing on the receiving end. A lot of times when we ask for changes, it's not necessarily that we want to give our partner a personality makeover, but the question becomes, how can I express my personality or my needs in a way that really meshes well with what you prefer and respond to? And they figured it out. So it did become a question of balance instead of problems. They had to work at it and they still probably are working at it. He worked on being defensive and she worked on not being harsh. And with that, both of them adjusting and figuring it out, it works and it works well. And I love the way that they saw the strengths in that rather than just seeing it as a weakness. Did you know that every weakness is actually a strength in disguise and vice versa? If you tell me one of your worst weaknesses, I can tell you how it's actually a strength. That makes a lot of sense that every weakness can be a strength. Even if you look at Cameron and Krista, you can take Krista's bluntness. Some people might really see bluntness as a weakness and being insensitive or a lack of empathy, whereas they actually saw it as a strength and that it really helped Cameron to really know exactly what she was thinking and how to respond to that. And it's pretty easy to see with Krista how bluntness could actually be a strength depending on the circumstance. How about with Cameron? They're saying that Cameron was too defensive. How can being, as they said, being too defensive actually be a strength? Well, the word defensive brings up some good imagery for this. A lot of times we have experiences that seem to encroach on our sense of self, especially when we're in the presence of somebody who has a strong personality. Being defensive in the classic sense isn't necessarily the best response to that, but feeling a little bit defensive is a super great big red flag for ourselves to say, oh, I might need to stand up for myself a little bit. So his ability to stand up for himself and say, um, I think that is a bit harsh. I would like it if you would speak to me a little bit differently. Really, really helped the relationship because then she gets that feedback and is able to adjust and say, oh, I wasn't meaning to be harsh. It's easy for a stronger personality to come out in a way that feels like an attack or feels like you're belittling somebody. I have an acquaintance that has this, that's just silly kind of attitude about things. And sometimes that's what comes out. And you want to say, is my opinion really just silly? Can we talk about it in a little bit different terms and you take me a little bit more seriously? So being able to stand up to that, even though it's not intended, standing up to it and defending your own opinion or your own way of wanting to be treated is a excellent strength. And if he didn't have that strength, this relationship would not be nearly as strong. I think that this also comes out a lot in how we relate to our children, too. My oldest child has very strong opinions, and he often will not be obedient unless he understands a reason for why he's supposed to do the thing. Everything has to come from him, or else he is unwilling to go along with what we tell him to do, even if it's extremely important things in our minds to do. 
And it's really difficult for my wife and I sometimes. We can choose to look at it and say, oh man, this is a really disobedient child. Why is he being so disobedient? But on the flip side of thing, it also actually really demonstrates a really strong sense of self and a really strong desire of understanding how the world works and a desire to not just do what he's told to do, but to actually really dive in and try to understand why things are functioning around him. I've heard this said before that some of the best traits in adults make for the most difficult of children. And I think that would probably also really apply to romantic partners as well. Yeah. In fact, the research says that kids like that have a much lower likelihood of getting involved in things like drugs when they're older. When they get into high school, if they've been negotiating at home, they're a much less likely to get peer pressured into things, which is awesome, but also difficult. <laughs> Do you know what their first experience with having to negotiate or stand up for themselves to be with peers? You definitely want them to practice at home. And yet you don't want them to practice at home at all. And it's the same thing in our relationships. Our closest relationships are the context within which we can work out the things that bug everybody else, right? The things that are difficult when we go out into the world. And to be that for your partner means that you have to have this attitude that Krista showed. Krista said something beautiful here. Well, I learned early on I could not fix him. I realized there was nothing to fix. I married him because I loved him. I need to work on myself and then it'll follow. It does. It really does. Either you change your perspective or they see that you're trying and so they try. Whatever it is, it makes it better. That is incredibly insightful. That focus on, I don't really need to fix my partner. I can, in fact, work on myself. Becoming a better version of yourself can change how you see the conflict or the difficulty that's happening. And it often shifts things in the direction of gratitude or giving your partner the benefit of the doubt. If I was a better version of myself, would I give my partner the benefit of the doubt? Or would I be able to stand on my own two feet and be strong in this situation and not have to have them agree with me or not have to have them say things in a particular way or whatever? And that allows me to also just have integrity and say, this is what I'm seeing or this is what I want without saying, and you must. (laughs) You have to treat me differently before I can be happy. You have to treat me differently before I can stop fill in the blank thing. It's not about them. But what that does is if I can have integrity, it removes the back and forth. And so that idea of, well, if he weren't so mean, I wouldn't have to do this. Or if he weren't so passive and wishy-washy about things, I wouldn't have to take over all the time. When I decide what kind of person I want to be, I'm not going to be mean or I'm not going to take over. I'm not going to whatever it is. Then that removes their excuse of saying, oh, well, you do this. So I do that. Well, when you stop doing it, then they have to stand on their own two feet. And most people don't like that. So get ready for some pushback and some increasing in the whatever the negative behavior is. But they have a chance then to figure out their own version, or you could just talk about it. But your own version of integrity happens for them as well. And you can see Cameron and Krista doing a great job without the fights of saying, this is what needs to happen, or this is what I want. They talk it out, they work it out. I learned I could not fix him. There was nothing to fix. He gets to fix himself. That's part of autonomy. That's part of being 
your own self and the best version of yourself. You get to decide what you want to be and you get to make that happen. And I think really it might be actually best to look at this from their very own words when we were talking about that they were Disney characters. She's Timon and he's Pumbaa. What would Timon be without Pumbaa and vice versa? They need to have that balance and that counterpunch to one another, each emphasizing their own strengths in order to make the best relationship possible. John Gottman says something really good about this. There's a spectrum of what's normal here. And even when it comes to how much autonomy you want and how much space for yourself you need and how much expression of yourself you need to do, that actually is variable between person to person. And some people are really easy going with the flow people and they don't struggle to assert themselves hardly at all. And some people are very boundary present and have to know that this is who I am and this is who you are. But what Gottman says about it, he uses the dance metaphor, actually. There are times when you feel drawn to your loved one and times when you feel the need to pull back and replenish your sense of autonomy. And that's okay. There's a wide spectrum of normal needs. A marriage can work even if people fall on opposite ends of this spectrum, as long as they are able to understand the reason for their feelings and respect their differences. If they don't, however, hurt feelings are likely to develop. If you feel like your spouse gives you the cold shoulder in little ways throughout the day, or if your spouse's concept of closeness feels more like suffocation to you, the best thing you can do for your marriage is to talk it out. Looking at these moments together will give you greater insight into each other and help you both learn how to give each other what you need. So we're looking for insight and trying to figure out how to do you in a way that helps your partner get what they need as well. It's not a personality makeover, but it's simply, can I do me in a way that actually also meets your needs and helps you? And that takes some figuring out. It sounds like it took them a decent amount of figuring out, especially at the beginning. But in the long run, it didn't result in them crushing each other's personalities. It didn't result in them assimilating one of them into the other, like the Borg, for all of you Star Trek fans out there. But in the end, it just resulted in them figuring out the best way to dance together and utilizing their own strengths to make their relationship as strong as it could be. So to recap here, our two strengths that we talked about today that Cameron and Krista did an excellent job of demonstrating. The first one is the relationship element of overcoming together, that by facing our challenges together, that we can grow together and come closer as a couple. And the second one is that of being separate while being connected. Even though we are both in a relationship together and even though we are both working for the same purposes and goals of having a strong commitment and connection with one another, that that can't really happen unless we really emphasize our own personality as opposed to becoming the person that the other person wants us to be. We really need to just become the best version of us and then let the best version of us interact with the best version of our partner. As those best versions shine through and they interact with each other, it will really create a beautiful dance. And of course, as always, it's important to remember that this best version of ourself and the best version of relationship is an ideal that we're striving for. And it's okay if we're not there yet, because guess what? None of us are there right now. And that brings us up to our relationship challenge for this week. This week's challenge will be based around the first strength that we were talking about today, that of overcoming together. We talked about overcoming together in the context of obstacles and challenges that come along in life. 
Now, our challenge is definitely not going to be to go out and manufacture a difficulty with your partner. But another way that this can actually work out is by just overcoming a common goal together. So the relationship challenge for this week is to with your partner. And if you can't do it with your partner, you can always do it on your own as well. The challenge is to with your partner, sit down and come up with a challenging goal that the both of you can work together side by side to overcome. Find a challenge, figure out something that you can do together and work to achieve it. Paying a special attention as you're doing it to how you can work together to achieve that goal rather than working against each other. The point of doing this challenge is not to get something accomplished. The point is to have a mindset of togetherness that we're on the same team. If one person takes over and does all the work, you're missing the point. After you've completed your challenge, go ahead and hop on to the show notes at makinglovetoday.com. Leave us a comment there about what it was that you and your partner decided to do and how that went and what did you notice. As always, Anne and I will be doing this right along with you and we'll be recording how it went for us as well. If you need any suggestions, go to the show notes and check that out. As always, there will be further descriptions of today's relationship strengths and also some real concrete examples that you can think about or that you can personally use for this challenge. Go ahead and do that. And thanks again for joining us today. This is the last of our launch week three episodes. So the next time you'll be hearing from us is on Monday. Please join us then. And until then, be like Cameron and Krista and go out and make love in your life.